0: Like, Thank you for the promise of peace. Thank you for moments where we feel it deep in our hearts. Teach us to make peace with our words, with our hands, for our own place and all places. Amen. There were shepherds camping in the neighborhood. They had set night watches over their sheep. Suddenly, God's angels stood among them and God's glory blazed around them. They were terrified. The angel said, don't be afraid. I'm here to announce a great and joyful event that is meant for everybody worldwide. A savior has just been born in David's town, a savior who is Messiah and master. This is what you're to look for, a baby wrapped in a blanket and lying in a manger. At once the angel was joined by a huge angelic choir singing God's praises, glory to God in the heavenly heights, peace to all men and women on earth who please him. Have you ever read that and thought, huh? Like peace? I thought there was supposed to be peace on earth. I mean, the story seems peaceful enough. It's a familiar story that in and of itself, I guess offers a type of peace. But have you ever thought, where is this so-called peace that was announced? Perhaps you imagine yourself as one of those shepherds being given this announcement, this information, being flooded with this assurance of peace in that moment. But now thousands of years later thinking, when is it coming? (laughs) In fact, Whenever I sing the song The First Noel to my kids, I usually have this image of these shepherds just kind of chilling in a field, just laying there under the stars, taking in all of the natural beauty. And it seems quite peaceful. And if that's how it was, I wouldn't mind trading in my chaotic, constantly connected, buzzing 21st century life for a chance of that. like. You hear me on that? 2020, whew, it's been quite a year. I keep saying that. I sound like a broken record, but it has been. And the question I've kept asking myself throughout it, and especially as we move into Advent, is how do we experience peace in the midst of doom scrolling? Just constantly checking the news feed for the changing information that's happening rapidly, and it's affecting us and our world daily. How do we experience peace in the midst of that? Isn't there supposed to be peace on Earth? So let me change gears for a moment. I want to ask you about the jolly old fellow in a red suit. You know who I'm talking about. Santa Claus, right? And have you ever noticed that the picture-perfect Santa Claus, the one in the photographs or the mall, is the only person that at least I know of who runs around carrying this huge, big bag on his back and a twinkle in his eye? Like, if I were carrying that type of weight, sure, I might be able to fake a smile, but... Really? The sparkle in the eye? I don't think so. But you know what? Many of us are carrying enormous packs and taking them from place to place to place. People everywhere are struggling with the weight of the baggage that they've been carrying on their backs. It's just not as obvious and Let's be honest, no one's gonna pose for a picture with all of their baggage. But if we could just stop such a person or if, or if we'd be vulnerable enough to open up our own <laughs> baggage, I think we'd see all sorts of things. We'd see guilt over an abortion. We'd see consuming remorse over a costly mistake, the pain of divorce, the disappointment of not being able to go off to school, The loneliness or rejection, abuse or abandonment, brokenness or bitterness, unforgiveness and insecurity, and these are only some of the things that get packed away and carried around with us for years. And as a pastor, I've seen firsthand how crushing and how crippling the weight of the past can be to people. And Pastor aside, just as a person, I understand many of the reasons we feel like we have to hold on to the past. You see, it's often due to the unknown. We're we're scared of the unknown. Even though the past is hurting us and dragging us down and holding us back, at least we know it. It's familiar to us. But you know what? We often fail to realize that the familiar can be fatal. So let me give you two words of advice concerning your past. Let go. As long as you carry your past with you, it will keep getting heavier and heavier. It will prevent you from enjoying the present moment, the here and now, and being able to anticipate the future. There's only one person, though, who's able to enable you to release your past. And he is the one we celebrate this season. Not the jolly old fellow in the red suit, but rather the most real person who has ever walked the earth. He is the one the shepherds were told had been born today in Bethlehem. He is the one who is prophesied as the Prince of Peace. His name is Jesus. His coming brought closure to an entire era of human history. He fulfilled the law and he made possible a life of complete freedom and grace and peace for everyone who would believe in him. Isn't that good news? When we say about the gospel or the good news, that's what we're talking about. But do you know what? Not everyone recognizes the benefit of his presence. Some people have a hard time letting go of the past. Some people, even going all the way back to Jesus day, preferred to maintain their religious traditions rather, to, rather than to embrace the love of God and enjoy the presence of Jesus in their midst. Jesus didn't fit into what they were expecting. He didn't fit into their molds and their fierce grip on the past and the familiar caused some to miss out on the best thing that could have ever happened to them. And I don't want that to happen to you. That's my heart. I don't want your past to rob you of your present or your future. Jesus is the God of new beginnings. And part of following Jesus means letting go of the past so that he can create a new beginning in you. Last week I mentioned how Mary, after Jesus was crucified on the cross and, and buried in the tomb, she shows up and the tomb's empty and suddenly she's losing hope and she's assuming that his body must have been taken and stolen and put somewhere else. And she's losing all hope and in that moment Jesus appears to her, but she mistakes him as the gardener. And what the author was trying to do there is tie this picture of Jesus as the gardener back to the very beginning where where God created everything and there was a garden and it was all good and right and as it should be. There was a peace and harmony in the world. And now with Jesus being back in the garden as the gardener, he's creating this picture that Jesus is creating and recreating new Things He's at work making all things new. Well, right after that encounter, a few verses later, Jesus appears to the rest of his disciples. They're, they're meeting behind locked doors out of fear. They're afraid of the Jewish leaders and what they might do to followers of Jesus. So in John chapter 20, verse 19, Jesus suddenly is standing there among them. And it says, Jesus came and stood among them and said, now listen to what he says, peace be with you. Whoa. The first thing Jesus says to his disciples after coming back from the dead, being raised back to life, he says this to his disciples, his students, those who had given their lives to follow him was peace be with you. Now, sure, on one level, it was a standard greeting of shalom. It's still in use in some parts of the world today. But there's more because Jesus repeats peace be with you in verse 21. And the repetition of this greeting, I believe, was to help them recall the promise of peace that Jesus had already given to them. John 14, 27, Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And then in John 16, verse 33, Jesus says to his disciples, I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you'll have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. You see, the word Jesus would have used for peace is the Hebrew word shalom. And it's important to note that the Hebraic, the Hebrew understanding of shalom, peace, is more than simply the absence of conflict. Shalom is the Hebrew word for peace, for wholeness, for health, for blessing. Shalom is the harmony that God intends and desires for the world. Shalom is how God wants things to be. In other words, shalom is the presence of the goodness of God. It's the presence of wholeness, completeness. So when Jesus says to his disciples, Peace be with you, he's blessing them with God's presence. Taking it one step further, I actually believe Jesus' shalom, his peace here, is a complement to his cry on the cross where he cries out, it is finished. The peace of reconciliation, the life from God is now available to everyone. Peace be with you. It's through Jesus that we're made whole and that we can experience the peace of God and the goodness of God's presence today So going back to our initial question of where's the peace? Invite God, invite Jesus to be present with you today. He's saying, peace be with you. Now, let me pick up where we started tonight, back in Luke chapter 2. As the angel choir withdrew into heaven, the shepherds talked it over let's get over to bethlehem as fast as we can and see for ourselves what god has revealed to us they left running and found mary and joseph and the baby lying in the manger seeing was believing they told everyone they met what the angels had said about this child all who heard the shepherds were impressed mary kept all these things to herself holding them dear deep within herself but the shepherds returned and let loose, glorifying and praising God for everything they had heard and seen. It turned out exactly the way they'd been told. This is the moment where it all comes together for them. The shepherds act on what they've heard. They go and witness it for themselves. They encounter Jesus. They encounter this message of peace, of shalom, of wholeness lying there In a manger and their lives were forever changed it began with a message of peace and it turned into praise if you have a piece of paper uh, or even if you don't just visualize this but put peace on one side of the page write the word out and on the other side of the page put praise as you have those two words there, then draw an arrow from the top of peace over to praise. Because naturally, as we encounter this message of peace that Jesus offers, it results in praise, just like we saw in the shepherds. But then take your pen and draw a line going from underneath praise and connecting it back to peace you see not only does this message of peace bring about praise but it also goes the other way full circle Paul writes to the Philippians rejoice in the Lord always I will say it again rejoice let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near don't be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and petition with Thanksgiving present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, when we choose to praise and worship and trust God, no matter what our circumstances are, we will experience peace, a peace that transcends all understanding. And throughout scripture, there's a command that's repeated over and over and over again. And it's this command of do not fear or do not be afraid. Because you see, fear and faith cannot occupy our minds at the same time. Fear and faith cannot occupy our minds at the same time. Or to put it another way, worship and worry cannot occupy the same space. They're mutually exclusive. It can't be done. You see, when you're worrying, it creates more anxiety. We're we're focusing on our problems. Worry forces us to focus on the problem. And for some reason, we always think that, that focusing on it and worrying about our problems will actually help us. But we know that's not true. But rather, Jesus comes and he says, focus on me. Focus on the solution to your problems. Don't focus on your problems. I didn't go to the cross to defeat death so you could simply live a chill life, attend a church service once a week, drive home and watch football on the couch. I didn't go to the cross so that you could just keep worrying about the stuff that's, that's coming up. I went to the cross. I came and I conquered death to be with you, to free you, to invite you into a life of love and justice and mercy and grace and peace and to change the world. But it begins with changing your heart. It begins by choosing to worship rather than worry. It begins by encountering this message of peace, who is Jesus, and turning it into praise. I know it doesn't make sense to many of us, when we, or to the world, when we go through these times of extreme suffering and sorrow and we're praising God. They're scratching their head, but as we focus ourselves on God, it brings about that peace that surpasses all human understanding. And then as we experience that peace, we just naturally wanna keep praising. So I wanna wrap up tonight with an exercise. I want you to put your hands out in front of you and I want you to make a fist. Clen- clench them as hard as you can, or at least tightly. You can even try and get the blood out of your knuckles and just hold them tight, drip them hard. Don't relax them, not yet. Do you feel how tight you are? Can you can you feel how hard your knuckles are? Your hands are getting cold maybe with the blood leaving them. Maybe you notice your, your back's tightening or your, your jaw's clenched as you're tightening it. This is our defense mechanism. This is our way of protecting ourselves. We experience pain, we experience hurt, we close ourselves off. We harden ourselves. But now, Imagine I'm there with you and I'm carrying this huge package and I ask for your help. What do you do? Well, the first thing you do is you open your hands. Right? Like, no one puts out their arms like, oh yeah, let me help you with that. And they they stay closed fisted. No, you, you open your hands. Because when you open your hands, you're able to hold more. And now with your hands open in front of you can you feel the lightness like i'd bet that your jaw's not clenched your your back's not as tight as it just was a moment ago see this goes back to this whole idea that we talked about at the beginning of letting go that you need to let go of the past so that you're able to hold space for more that you're able to walk with others that you're able to to, be present to what Jesus has for you. This idea of opening our hands to hold space for more opens us up to what God wants to give us, what God wants to bless you with in the future. And it allows you to journey with one another and help bring others into this Place of lightness and of freedom. You see, Jesus comes to us and says, Peace be with you. Let me help you live freely and lightly. You can trust me. You, you can trust me with your past. You can let go of your past knowing that it's forgiven, that it's been nailed to the cross with me. Now, of course, it feels more vulnerable. Because again, look at your open hands in front of you. The most vulnerable part of your hand is exposed. So of course it feels scary. Of course it feels vulnerable. It is. It's open to being hurt. But this is where Jesus invites you to receive his peace. It's an act of surrender. And he says, you can trust me. Jesus invites you to place your trust in him to say yes to him, to to hold open your hands and say, yes, Jesus, I'm open to what you have for me. I choose to follow you and trust you as my Lord and Savior. And as we say yes to Jesus, he fills us with his spirit. Literally, he puts a new spirit inside of us. It's this, this idea you may have heard of being born again. We're being given new life. We're being recreated and given a new spirit and it's a spirit of power and it's a spirit that's marked by love, joy, and peace. It means that we can let go of our past, that we don't have to hang on to it anymore, that whatever we've done, it's forgiven. And whatever might have been done to us, we now have the power to forgive. Because you see, it's through the power of Jesus and his spirit that we're able to extend forgiveness. So my prayer is that this Christmas, tonight, you will ask Jesus into your heart. That you will accept his invitation of coming home for Christmas, of coming back to him and experiencing his shalom and his peace that you will say yes to Jesus and receive the greatest Christmas gift of all time. I pray that tonight you will step into a life of peace, of wholeness, of restoration, of shalom. And I pray that this message of peace will transform you from the inside out, resulting in praise. Jesus is the greatest Christmas gift of all. And the best part is that it's not a one-time gift. It's not something you're gonna be done with by January. No, this is a forever gift. This is for here, this life, and beyond. May you enjoy the peace of Christ in your hearts and your homes this Christmas. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, light of the world, Prince of Peace we ask that as we wait for your coming you would reveal your presence to us help us to let go of whatever we're holding on to that's holding us back from being present with you and God let us receive your peace so that we can share your peace with one another and may your peace be the source of our worship and may our worship fill us with your peace. Jesus, tonight we say yes to you. You are our Lord and savior. We place our trust in you. Come and fill us with your spirit. Create new life and create a new beginning in our hearts tonight. We ask this in your name, the name of the one who was born in Bethlehem, Jesus, amen.